have a very unique experience. You, Pete Han, you have a very unique experience. We can share the light of our perspective with other people. And in doing so, in, in literally like in recording this podcast, we're, we're spreading a light that, will, that might hopefully inspire the people that listen to this or watch this to continue to do so. And then more lights are, are lit and we're creating awareness. I think that's such a beautiful thing to think about. Shall we head to my favorite planet in the galaxy? The planet of good vibes. The planet of good vibes. The said we are blasting off into the galaxy of good vibes in approximately five four three two and one top of the morning folks good afternoon good evening ladies and gentlemen welcome to the ham planet podcast i'm your host peter ham and if you're new to the podcast we couldn't be happier to have you here on this mighty fine evening. If you are new to the podcast, just to preface the show, we're about three things here at the Ham Planet Podcast. Good vibes, great people, and glorious stories. So if you can enjoy one, two, or all three of those, you have showed up for a fantastic evening ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Let's hop right in to the show. Tonight's guest is a guest that is very near and dear to my heart. And I ain't trying to be soft, but um, as men, sometimes you come across a friend or a brother or someone in your life who makes a tremendous impact, who changes the course of your life or changes the way that you think about life or changes the way that you approach life. And I couldn't be more happy to say that one of those men is a guest tonight. He comes from the heart of Port-au-Prince, Haiti. He is a proud Culver Academies alumni, and he graduated from the Distinguished Company B. He also had the honor of being regimental commander, the highest ranking cadet at Culver Academies. And Following his time at Culver, he went on to West Point, being the first Haitian to graduate from West Point. He has traveled the globe. He has inspired many. And I am lucky enough to say that I am one of those. He knows how to wrestle. <laughs> he knows how to have a good time. He knows how to make you smile. He knows how to get you going. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the one and only Mr. Pascal Brun in the building tonight. Let's give it up, ladies and gents. Thank you so much. I, I, 
you know, the funny thing, this has got to be the, the, the coolest intro that I've ever heard on a podcast. And I've been on quite a few many podcasts, guys. Thank you very much for that. It's a great hour. Well, brother, I ain't trying to hype you up. I'm just speaking the truth because all of those things are genuinely how I feel. And I'm happy I got you fired up. Thanks, Pascal, man. to get the night going, how you feeling? feel good. You know, I'm so happy to be here with you, man. You know, we caught up last night and we were catching up a little bit earlier before the podcast. And it's been a few years. And we haven't even it seen has. each other physically since probably COVID, I don't think. So it's great. It's right. so good to see you. Honestly, it, um, it serves as a reminder every time that I interact with anyone who I went to Culver with that um, you truly are a Culver family. And mm, yeah. we picked right back up where we left off. And, yeah, uh, we did. Pretty instantly. Just as always, couldn't be happier to see you. And, um, you know, it seems like just yesterday we were going through the good old Company B barracks. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I mean, I remember when Mikhail was down the hall DJing with Adam Holt. Yeah. And you and I were young gun, new cadets. You were dialed in. I was still trying to get it figured out, <laughs> my new cadet year. <laughs> but, um, you know. It seems like just yesterday. It's, not, it's all a part of the journey, man. Yeah, it does seem like yesterday too. We were new, new cadets together. That's that's something I'll never forget. We absolutely were. So, mm-hmm. so just to preface the podcast tonight, ladies and gentlemen, um, Pascal and I met each other when we both attended Culver, and Pascal came in as a sophomore. I came in as a freshman, new cadet. And we were in the same new cadet class within the same new cadet unit. So mm-hmm. Pascal and I were um, one of 12 new cadets within Company B within our year of entry to Culver. And the thing about the new cadet group is, you know, you're, you're, fam- you're a family, you're a team. Yeah, um, you might not love everyone in the in family at times. Um, Pascal and I, though, always, always got along. Loved each other. I mean, you loved everyone. Uh, <laughs> my new cadet year, there was some, there's some growing pains, which is, you know, part of part of Culver. I mean, I mean, coming in, it's high school. So a lot of kids are figuring themselves out and learning about who they are and what their interests are. It's like college. I mean, some people don't even get to do that until college anyway. So, Right. And I feel like going to Culver genuinely gave us a big advantage. Yeah, big time. For example, when you were at West Point, Pascal, did you feel like you had a, a leg up because you Absolutely. had already been to Culver and been through military system. Absolutely. The discipline that Culver instilled in us, you know, things as simple as making your bed every day, folding your clothes, making sure your room is clean to inspection standards. I mean, those things on top of, you know, managing 
the the schedule of living on your own and having to turn in assignments that's pretty much college life but that's what boarding oh, school yeah. is all about it, it preps you to kind of be on your own but with extra supervision extra safety nets so yeah hell yeah definitely it helped out big time at west point it, it was like as you said dialing in a cover is just like dialing in at west point it was the same thing one thing i'll say about culver that i really have learned to appreciate as i've become older is brother they had us dialed in on a schedule seven days Mm -hmm. a week like yeah (laughs) due to that structure during that very essential brain growth period of my life very formative that's right it has made me so structure and schedule oriented hell yeah like if it ain't scheduled i don't know what it is it's not happening like culver made me that way and it's yeah it's honestly been one of the greatest gifts that i've kind of seen in hindsight because um that's you plan ahead it it really does the feeling of having confidence that you plan ahead or at least you know what's coming Right. It's just such a mental switch. Right. Because, like, at that point, if you get a wrench thrown into your plan, it's not the end of the world. You know what the next steps are. You deal with that wrench, and then you, you just get right back on. Whereas I feel like if you're not doing that kind of, you know, forward planning and backwards planning, uh, then it's like any every single wrench that gets thrown into your life, because I can't say it's a plan, just ends up being all-consuming. So it's really good to have a plan. Brother, couldn't agree more. I mean, there's countless of valuable lessons Culver has drilled into us, or not necessarily drilled, but ingrained into our hearts. And uh, a lot of those things are so valuable. And maybe if you're a recent Culver graduate, or if you're even a Culver, a current Culver student, mm-hmm. um, I hope you can find it refreshing that alumni who are reaching their 10-year mark, you know, still uh, identifying things that they learned from Culver to this day. So God bless Culver and God, God bless Pascal. <laughs> Brother, what was right it like? growing up in Haiti? You know, I love that question because it's very multifaceted. There's so many different... There's, it's, there's so many different layers. <laughs> um, start wherever you Haiti, want, brother. I want to start with family. I growing up, like, especially, like, let's say from the time, the earliest time that I can possibly remember all the way through like fifth grade was really incredible. Um, my family, my brother and I, because my sister wasn't born. So I have a younger sister that you haven't met. She's 10 years younger. She just graduated from COVID last year. Uh, started her first semester at Cornell. Go Gabby. She's crushing it. Uh, yeah, she is. But it, it was my brother and I for, for, for 10 solid years before she came around. And, uh, you know, I grew up with, so I have a lot of cousins. 
it's 13 of us in total. And we all lived in the same neighborhood for the longest time. Um, they went up the hill, maybe when I was getting into my teens, uh, maybe a little bit earlier than that. But all to say, like, we were all together all the time. And that made, that made growing up as a kid, like, really incredible for me. I cherish those moments. I really think that my golden years so far, I mean, I'm still super young, you know, I haven't even hit my 30s yet, but I do think that those many years with my family and my cousins and you know, going up to the beach and to the mountains, and that, that was the best, you know? Um, Just now, real quick, Pascal, yeah. were all of your cousins very close to you and Mikhail's age? Or around the same more, age, more or less. I was the youngest. Um, I was the you youngest. You were the baby. For, I was the baby. Brother, me too. Or I was the youngest oh, boy. There we go. I was the youngest. You're the youngest boy. boy. Okay. I guess you are the youngest boy too. I would be. I mean, I'm. I, I was the youngest of, of thirteen until my youngest cousin Federico came around. Uh, he's five or six years younger than I am. But again, like. I'm talking about those first like 10 years of life where he was still yeah. a baby and he wasn't like, right. it was different. We were pushing him in his shoulder, you know? Yeah. So you were the so, youngest grandson for a decade. For the longest time. Yeah. yeah. Al almost a decade. Uh, and, you know, going to my cousin's house and my older cousin, who's, uh, it's 13 of us, so he's much older. He's 11 years older than I am. So he, he would have me on his shoulders and he has a younger brother and a younger sister who are uh, uh, five and seven years older. And so we would, they lived next door. So they would put us on their shoulders and we would go over to Sonic on the Sega Genesis neighbors. Yeah. And we would eat macaroni and cheese and chicken nuggets together. And they would scare us. They had this, this funny little gorilla that was like a coin, a coin bag. But I was definitely afraid of it for whatever reason. So was my brother. They thought it was the funniest thing to take this stupid corn bank and like. Bro, I was scared of things like that it. too, man. It's it was no joke when we were kids. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I guess we we're the same because someone would get something just kind of like not normal. That like, just doesn't ah. look right. And yeah, I'd be like, exactly. Oh my God, please stop! Like that, I would go exactly nuts. That's exactly how it was, man. Well, us being the little ones in the family, it makes sense yeah. that this would be the, the shared experience. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's how it was, man. And then we even went to school together for the longest time, too. So it was just nonstop family and my family. And I think I would say even Haitian culture in general was super family-oriented. I would even go as far as to say Latin culture in general, with the Caribbean and, and, and Mexico and and Central America, I don't know so much about Latin culture in South America, but I'm willing to say that, like, I'm, I'm, I can almost guarantee that it's very family-oriented. So I, that was one aspect. I can agree. That was I, truly I mean, incredible. I, I feel, I feel like I, I see that shine brightly through Latin culture, and it's, yeah. it's a beautiful thing because I'm a big believer in the fact that you know, a lot of what we do in our everyday life, a lot of the actions we take, 
specifically, you know, for a family, for, for a more prosperous future, a more special life for the ones we love, the ones who share our blood, you know, most importantly, our children. Yeah. And, um, you know, I love it. I'm, I'm family strong, Pascal. So. Oh yeah. There we go. I, I that's, that's, that's another thing that I think links us as, as good friends too, is we have shared values. We do. Spot on, brother. Spot on. But yeah, that, that's, that's definitely the, the experience in Haiti is, is I, I'm glad that you asked this question because I think that a lot of people, Haiti has come up in the news a lot uh, in the last few months, a lot in the last few years. And there are just so many layers. So going to school, for example, at a very young age, um, I'm also very blessed to be able to have been born into a family that had a car, that had I had a very comfortable house to live in. I went to a private school, you know? And absolutely going to school just in a car, right? And seeing, looking out the window and seeing other kids my age walking to school. That's like, and by themselves, it's not like their parents are taking them to school. You see like five and four year olds holding hands going to school on their own, you know? And it's like, damn, I'm five years old and I'm in a car. And I would look at my dad and be like, Papi, why do they walk to school and we go to school in the car? And he would say, you know, we've, God has blessed us with the, the privilege to be able to have this kind of mode of transportation. And you need to remember that a lot of people haven't. And that needs to be a source of, of understanding that we need to work so that everybody one day can have a car to, to take kids to school. So that's right off the bat, you know, those those kinds of values were instilled in us being little. So, Pascal, going off that, um, you know, you and Mikhail, y'all are special people. And I feel like everyone who knows y'all knows that y'all are very community oriented, very, very clear when it comes to empathy and understanding. And... I'm curious, where did you get that from? Was it from your dad? Was it from your mom? Was it from both? Or it's Haitian culture. So I would I would pin that on my dad. And on my mom's side, my mom, uh, she is so she grew up in Guyana. She was born Guyanese. And then she married my dad and naturalized Haitian. So she's actually lived in Haiti for longer than she's lived in Guyana, and, you know, in her adult life. Um, but so ethnically, I would say mostly she's ethnically Chinese. So even though Ghana, like none of my mom's side of the family speaks a little Chinese, it's all like very strong Caribbean English accents, kind of like a Jamaican accent, but different. I don't know if you've ever heard what a Guyanese accent sounds like, but, uh, the closest similarity to what most people would know is like a Jamaican accent. I like Jamaican accents. <laughs> so my so on my mom's side of the family, this is I think a really cool mix is that on my dad's side we learned about uh, like being super community oriented and, and working for others. And then on my mom's side, she taught us like the 
the great discipline, the structure, building systems, uh, you know, thinking, thinking whatever you think is your limit, you can actually go one step ahead of that. And that has been, I think that combination is an incredible thing. combination. Yeah, it's a beautiful habit. And it makes sense why my mom and dad got together. And it, 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 I think after having these kinds of experiences that we'll, we'll get into in the, in the podcast, on the show, I understand why I'm where I am now. It's because of that, that melding of those values. I love, I love to hear that your family was so close and still is close and the blood runs deep in the Braun family. Yes. Pascal, my next question, sir, is going mm-hmm. to be what contributed most to you excelling at West Point? What was it that helped you the most? I think I think definitely all of those lessons from COVID carried on for sure, right? Um, that daily discipline it's non-stop of knowing that you have your responsibilities that you can't shirk um you know it's funny because i don't want to at all downplay the west point experience because it is challenging but i do find i do find that life outside of a much like a super structured structured system like West Point Recovery is even harder because a lot of decisions are already made for you in those kinds of systems, you know? It's like, I don't have a choice. I got to go to class. I don't have a choice. I, I My clothes have already been chosen for me. I got to wear a uniform, you know? it's yeah. I got to get my hair cut so I know that I have to schedule it every two weeks. I know everything I need to do. So as long as you've got the discipline to do it, it's a breeze. It's a breeze. Now, the hard part is understanding, like, there is where the, the difficulty comes in the West Point experience, at least in my opinion, and everybody's experience is different, right? So I can't talk to everyone's experience. I can only talk to my own. What was hard for me is that because everything was so regimented, you don't have time to, to think, you don't have much time to think outside the box. You don't have an opportunity to explore uh, how you want to tackle certain problems uh, because they're looking for a very clear cut solution, right? You don't have time to really explore different thoughts of how to look at a, a, a certain situation. They want you to think about, about it in a very typical way, right? There is a typical way that they're looking for that is the right answer. Uh, and those are experiences that you might find in a civilian college where you know they're looking for different thoughts and these kind of discussions. Or if they're open, you, you'll see people who look completely different and, and are expressing themselves in absolutely different ways. You're not going to get that at West Point. And I think that is the hard part, is that people, human beings are complicated beings. And to force somebody into a mold, 
to force 4,400 some people every year into a mold um, is great for some people and is really terrible for others. So, and I think everyone at some point feels that they're being constricted by that mold and those are the most difficult times. So yes, all of that stuff from cover carries on, the, the, the people's skills and the discipline and the, and the building respect and, and having a sense of responsibility, you know, but I think the biggest difficult thing was, was getting through when you want to step outside the box, but can't. <laughs> no doubt about it. Like having that in college too, Pascal, nothing but respect, brother, because that's the time when you're just like, ah, I need it. I need my freedom, <laughs> damn it. Let me fly. Yeah, I'm a peacock. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and but you um you did some great things, brother. Thanks, man. Yeah, it wasn't, it was it was fun sometimes, hard lots of times. And I did that. So it was three years of cover, four years of West Point, and then another three years at the National Police School. Except it was funny to experience that from the other side of the of uh the sandbox so to speak as an instructor brother what was some of the biggest lessons and things that you really learned as an instructor no imagine imagine the cover experience or the the, the the college experience most of our audience will i'm supposing will have a college experience of you know submitting an assignment and getting, you know, pacing, you know, or doing really well and, and being proud of that, you know, or, or playing a sport and you score a touchdown or a goal or whatever the case may be for whatever sport you're playing. Or try in rugby. Or try, if you, exactly, for all fellow rugby players uh, that are listening in. I mean, like, that is just, like, a great fulfilling it. it it fulfills your soul you know and when when you get those kinds of accomplishments team and personal accomplishments so that feeling was magnified by like a billion when i would see my students graduate that is the most incredible feeling because there's so much time and effort and energy poured by all of the instructors and this entire like school system to create the, the final product, which is somebody with like these values instilled in them of, of service and, and selflessness and duty and honor and respect. And to see them come in one way and then come out another, and to see that machine successful, it's like, uh, it, it, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. To a degree, they're your children. In a way, I mean, <laughs> in a way, in a way, you poured your heart and soul into them. You wanted nothing but the best for them, and you trained right. them every step of the way with good in your heart. I mean, it's um, it's amazing to see that you did that for so many. And this is at the Haitian Police Academy, National Police. Yep, the Haitian National, the Haitian Police, National Police. Brother, um, when you were training the 
National Police, were there any students that just came from a complete a tough background and you helped them do a 180? 99.9% of them come from really difficult backgrounds. Yeah. 90% join the police out of absolute necessity to survive because the, the, it's a paycheck that is guaranteed. And the job market for a young sometimes right. educated not all of them are because the, the the minimum education requirement to join the Haitian national police is actually a ninth grade education um so it actually it, it opens up the possibility of a paying job to a large percentage of the population um, in fact the Haitian national police is the um is the largest public employer it's one of the largest employers in the entire country i think it comes second to like one textiles factory, but we have we have uh, sixteen thousand active duty police officers, so it's 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 a pretty big institution. So you know, one of the coolest things is actually hearing back from students when they're you know on maybe a few years after they finish graduating and, and getting that message of, hey sir, just want to let you know. How much of a big influence you were uh, back when we were at the academy, and, and those—it's a small message, but it's on the hard days when you read that, and it's like, ah, oh, yes, I remember now. I remember again. Thank you for reminding me why I do what I do, because it is a big sacrifice. It's a—it's—it's it's not easy. It's—it is not easy, brother. And but those little messages—they make—they make it all worth it. You impact a life. It's such a beautiful thing because there's so much money in our world that moves around that, you know, holds so much perceived value. And uh, I mean, you name it, there's all types of things out there that hold so much perceived value. But when Mm -hmm. just someone who you have committed to teaching and training and who just wants the best for them. Like for me, I think about a lot of the guys who I was captain in rugby. And mm-hmm. um, I, I've been thinking about some of the younger guys at Culver, just hearing back from them. Shit. I mean, you can't put a price on that. Right. I, I always get all teary eyed and, all soft mm. every time I get one yeah. of those and like it's it's better than a hundred bucks it's better than a thousand bucks it's better than a right. thousand bucks like that is what I live for it's and priceless it is I think it's what we all live for honestly like are we getting we, too old too fast Pascal because you and I, I have enjoyed know. that feeling <laughs> for, probably from a way a much or not We've enjoyed it from a younger age than maybe yeah. the common standard. Maybe, yeah. We're young and spry. We're, yeah. I think I think we're if we're having that feeling at a young age, we're doing something right. That's how I think of it. And I'm sure everybody knows that what, what that feeling means. And I think at least like for me, for that reason precisely, teachers and coaches have a special place in my heart, like a special appreciation because 
oftentimes I think that those roles in life in general go pretty thankless, and yet they make such a huge impact on the lives that they interact with. So yeah, if if any of you listening are, are a teacher or coach, kudos to you. Hats off. Amen to that, brother. One thing mm-hmm. that it makes me think about is, you know, in our world, we give we give value in monetary ways. Do this, I'll give you $3,000. Complete X, make X amount of sales, you get X amount of dollars. Right. But you can't you can't quantify the intrinsic value of teaching someone a lesson them learning that lesson absorbing it making a part of them implementing it and then coming back to you and saying hey you taught me this and now Mm -hmm. they know it and now a hundred other people. And then they can share it. Right, exactly. And then there's it's just a, there's, there's a really great imagery, actually, of, of the concept of sharing information, you know, like teaching a man to fish kind of thing, is a candle, where the, the secret to developing people's awareness and, like, a, a space... An environment is by sharing information that can be beneficial to them so that they can continue to do the work so it's like if you were in a in a in a dim lit room or a dark room and you were holding a candle then you want to find and share the light of that candle until everybody's candle is lit in this room and the entire room is lit so that's like literally that i love that imagery because it helps us remember Oh, damn, like, I have a very unique experience. You, Pete Han, you have a very unique experience. We can share the light of our perspective with other people. And in doing so, in, in literally like in recording this podcast, we're, we're spreading a light that, will, that might hopefully inspire the people that listen to this or watch this to continue to do so. And then more lights are, are lit. And we're creating awareness. I think that's such a beautiful thing to think about. That's like really incredible imagery. What's Gucci? What's Gucci, ladies and gents? It's your good friend, Commercial Break Peter here. Here to let you know, for one reason or another, we're taking a quick break. We hope you're enjoying the show. We hope you're loving the show. And we are back to the show. Brother, I want to take a moment to touch on mental health. I know this has been something of importance to you. And it is also of the utmost importance to me. And it's something that I'm navigating through each and every day, which I know, you know, we had the pleasure of discussing a little bit before the podcast, maybe some topics we want to delve into. And, um, brother, I would love to dive into why mental health has come to the forefront of Pascal's focus. Yeah, absolutely. You know, 
mental health has increasingly become a very central topic of my life. And I think of a lot of people's lives, especially after the pandemic, um, maybe didn't really close down as much as other economic powerhouses like the US or Canada or any European country. Uh, so, you know, everybody's mental health is affected in different ways. But I think it's a really important topic to discuss in these moments, especially now that we're looking at, into, I guess, the new norm is what they're calling it after the post-pandemic norm. And facing the, the result of being quarantined for so long, in Haiti, it was a little bit different. It was not so much about quarantining, but it was about economic, political, security crisis um, that is still ongoing in Haiti right now. So, you know, I, I just think that it's a, it's, it would be a good topic to discuss, you know, and especially as we've talked a lot about leadership, uh, leadership leading into West Point, leadership recovery, leadership in, in our personal lives and how important it is to, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of the unspoken is leadership is like step four, five, six, seven, eight. But numbers, you know, step one is you gotta you gotta be present. And to be present, you need to be in good health physically and mentally. Otherwise, you just can't be there. You can't be the leader that you need to be if if you're not taken care of. And taken care of in that sense, a lot of it is taking care of yourself. So I think this would be a good thing to talk about. And I think that it would resonate with a lot of people right now. I couldn't agree more, Pascal. And I think this um, this chapter of history will definitely go down as one that was tough for so many people in the world and so impactful to just so many different areas of our cognitive function. And it's unique to each and every one out there. Everyone out there faces their own battles and their own challenges and their own doubts and their own fears and their own stressors and their own things that hurt and one thing that has really helped me I, I feel like during this time that I can at least share and I I'm right there you know with everyone I've I've experienced these emotions and e each and every one out there experience such a wide range of things that aren't easy to deal with and just being able to think in those times about the goodness in your heart and the goodness that you want to pour into this world and really leaning into that and allowing that to guide your decisions it can do tremendous amounts of beneficial things but um mm -hmm. 
having the understanding though that everyone is is facing uh challenges everyone is putting forth significant effort in so many different facets of life and it's not easy like respecting that and understanding that for others and doing your best to be a good teammate when it comes to humanity is just something that's so valuable and absolutely um, I do have to give a shout out to our, our brother, company B brother, Aaron Arvizu. He really, um, he really hammered that home. He said one thing that has helped him because he's, he's gone through his fair share of hardship. And um, one thing that helped him tremendously was understanding that you need to value every human interaction and just really put at the forefront of your thinking that this person that I'm sharing my story with my, my words, my time, my energy is also doing the exact same on their end. And that needs to be a cherished thing. And, um, that's just one thing that helped me. And I know that can only do so much, but um, I hope that can provide value for someone out there who, who's maybe having a tough time speaking to someone about something that they know. They know in their heart that they need to have a conversation with. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it helps someone out there who has been nervous all month just to sit down and tell their significant other exactly what's going on or how they feel or the whole line. I mean, just know that it, it can go a long way. Yeah. It can go a long okay. way in, in many ways. Pascal, what, what are some things that you have went to mental warfare with in regards to your psychological health. I mean, body health ties right into this too. It does. Yeah, it does. Um, and how have you, what are some of your action steps? Well, that's actually something that I'm, working through right now i mean i know you might not have a treasure map but no one does no one does right no one does the best that we can do is speak to our experience um you know the last the last two years have been majorly difficult majorly difficult living in haiti in general is very difficult the three years that I spent as an instructor at the National Police School, they were hard for some reasons, but simple for others. When I, when I made the decision to, to do something else, that's when things got extra difficult, not only because it was less structured. You know, running a, a 
regimented school-like system was automatic because of our experience of COVID, because of West Point. It was just like, this is a no-brainer. I can do this with my high schools. And so it made the difficulties of life in Haiti outside of work a little more easy to deal with. But uh, I then made the decision, you know, I, I want to do something else. So I, I started advising the government at large, the federal government, um, doing a lot of data science. Uh, I also opened my own consulting company. I was working with an insurance firm and a legal firm, also doing data science. Um, I was working at the the Haitian National Police's National Intelligence Bureau, also doing data science. So, I mean, I, I was running a lot of jobs all at once these last two years, and yeah. I'm starting. I'm starting to realize now um, that. I was taking on more work to actually keep myself distracted from how screwed up things were getting in the country. And it was like a crescendo into were you kind of blind were you kind of blind to it at least at the start that that was what kind of what you were using like as your distraction? Blind to it, yes, blind to it. And I wasn't aware of it until now where I'm transitioning into a, a new position, a new role, a new job in the U.S. Right? I made this decision. I'm not going to live in this toxic environment anymore. And, right. and, it, uh, and now that I'm in this transition I mean, period, you you have fantastic opportunity. I know ahead of you. Yes, thank God. Which is well earned of opportunities. Thank you very well much. Well learned, brother. Thank you. Uh, so I mean, yeah, it's it was. It's not until now where I have all this downtime waiting for you know some immigration paperwork to get done so that I could get to work. That I have time to think about this experience and and realizing exactly like it's first of all incredible that our bodies and minds know how to keep us alive, right? That that is incredible. It really is. Yes, you don't really get to know that until you're a grown ass man. Like, (laughs) shit's getting hard. Like, shit gets real. Yeah, yeah. And and it's great to see. (laughs) Hey, I'm still eating the show. God, I'm sleeping on something. It gets real, and and we survive. Uh, And uh, you know, uh, our instincts uh, kick in. Staying alive. Staying alive. Man, my my brain was playing that on repeat for the last two years. Brother, I've had staying alive and push it to the limit <laughs> alternating for the past few years. Kind of a problem. Maybe I need to get it checked out. Um, That's true. Yeah. You, you you had some push it to the limit mixed in there? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I'm glad you're really Well, I mean, one thing that I think that's great that you've been doing lately pascal which has definitely tuned me into this is you're you're taking a look like at your life and taking an analytical approach to your emotions like saying hey this i experience blank 
They, this was extremely hard. This was traumatic. And, or this was just like exhausting. And like that's how it affected my mental health during that time. Yeah. And I performed like X during that time. And I think that's um I think that's something extremely valuable where you're able to take a look back because I feel like one thing I know sure as hell I need to do it more because there's so much value in it and it's kind of a lost practice from what I see is looking back like look what did you do yes what notes did you write down yesterday what did you do how did you feel last month right um what were you doing what how much water were you drinking i mean i feel like that's one thing that is so valuable that definitely needs to be looked at more across the board you know you're you're right you're you hit the nail on the head there in fact at, at west point we uh, we have mandatory psychology classes yeah. and counseling and counseling classes. And one of the things that we learn about uh, in counseling is the growth, the leader development model, or the growth model. Um, and what that is is uh, we we love diagrams in the army, right? So it's a triangle. oh, absolutely. I still love a good diagram. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic uh so you you have in the in the leader growth model you have this triangle and the three points of the triangle are experience uh knowledge new knowledge and reflection so you need these three things in order to grow as an individual you need to acquire new knowledge and through that acquisition of knowledge, it enables you to have a new experience. Because if you think about an individual that, say, for example, falls into a hole, right? You took a few steps, the hole, you see it. But you don't know that if you continue to walk straight forward, you won't have a bad experience and, and you know, fall into this hole. So you now have acquired knowledge. You fell. You didn't like that. You don't want to do that again. So you climb out of the hole and you step back to where you were before. And that knowledge allows you to have a new experience. But for you to know, it's not enough just to acquire the the knowledge and to have that experience. You need to be able to reflect on your experience and say, I've just acquired new knowledge of an experience that I've never had before. And I know exactly what took me from point A to point B that I didn't like. What can I do to change it? So, and it's it's common sense, right? But it's so, I think it's so easy to forget that, you know, we need, if we're ever feeling stuck in life, we need to try to ask ourselves, which of these three points is missing something? Am I not reflecting enough? Am I not pushing myself to have new experiences or do I need to acquire new knowledge in order to get to where I want to be? One thing I think that can really provide a lot of value for people 
kind of identified this connection is that reflection equals understanding and understanding equals connection. Yeah. And I feel like just having awareness of that can, can really pay dividends. Absolutely. And, um, brother love to see it <laughs> yeah so that's 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 been i know you had asked a question earlier about what got me through west point but what are one of the most yeah. poignant things that you know gets us through and i think i think it is that's one of them you know that understanding of of reflection every once in a while i mean we're already in school at the that point. I mean, life is school, right? So everything is new knowledge and new experiences. And I and think for, the missing key that a lot of people miss is that element of reflection. A, hu- a huge thing, which I'd like to at least get your thoughts on. For me, reflection is looking back at previous data I tracked or a video I took or like I do these video journals where I'll check in and say, hello, this is Peter Ham. This is January 11th, 2016. I just worked out. I went to Subway. I drank too much tequila last night. <laughs> I feel happy right now. I'm stressed about this. I'm ready. Like it's some of them are some of them are funny. Some of them are like some of them hurt. Yeah, well, I mean, we we'll have both. Yeah, that's um. Those are those are a few of my reflectionary ways to look back at things. Do you it, have anything and, special you know, on the topic? Now? I think on the topic of mental health, and for everybody listening as well. Yeah, yeah. If if you want to take those journals to like the next level, and this is something that I've learned, uh, my last partner helped me understand this very well as well. Girl, lady, and, girlfriend. Yeah, and last she she was a meditation a meditation teacher, and she helped me understand this a lot. Is like not just looking at your experience. Like I went to subway or I went to the gym, but what about that experience like did you feel and how would you describe the emotions that were attached to that experience that's where you're really setting that observer back onto yourself that self-reflection at a much deeper level where of course you could take something analytically and say that's you know i did true. this many reps i did my pr like but what about getting the pr is the reason why you're journaling this in the first place is because it makes you feel freaking awesome about the fact that you did this PR, you know? It made you or feel you... good enough cognitively to want to document it, which is absolutely her thinking. Or if you had a, a, a bad experience with somebody, like you went to work and you had a really tough conversation with one of your employees, right? I know that you're a business owner. So and you might come home drained from that conversation and you're, you're doing your, your daily journal. Don't just say that you had a, a conversation that you wish you didn't have to have with your employee. What about it 
that made you feel drained when you came home. And that level of reflection, if, if you're able to get there, will really lead to a lot of understanding, both about your experiences and yourself, which I think will aid in your ability to have these really meaningful relationships in your life. I love that, Pascal. That, that's such a wonder, wonderful way to look at it. And I mean, I'll be the first to admit that I get so caught up in life sometimes where it's, hey, you accomplished this goal. Now, now you need to do one more. Or it's, what's next? What's, what's our next? What's, okay, you did 10 reps last week, going for 12. Right. Okay, you, um, I mean, the list goes on and on, but right. being able to, and I'm not just talking working out, there's all different factors of this. Think about how you felt, like at the core, not what you were thinking about necessarily, but what was your, what, what state was your body in? What state was your mind in? Exactly. Yes. And um, yes, I I personally like to always think how you feel, mind, body, and spirit. Which Pascal, I know you're a big mind, body, spirit man as well. How you feel, factoring all those together is that's that is your health. It's not how you look. It's not. It's not how. It's not how much you got in the bank. It's. How do you feel? Yep. That's why I love saying, how are you feeling? <laughs> Say you're feeling good. And I can tell you, you're being honest, that I'm feeling good too, usually. There we go. It's the simplest, most effective thermometer in life, in my opinion, Pascal. How are you feeling, that question? How are you feeling? You can use it, brother. Permission granted. Uh, oh, thanks, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> brother, I think it's about that time for some would you rathers. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's do it. Are you fired up? Are you feeling good? I'm fired are you feeling, up. Let's do it. Are you feeling alive? You feeling I'm feeling alive. alive. I'm feeling alive. And question number two after the song. <laughs> There's Lorenzo, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what that means? We have question number two of the Ham Planet Podcast. Would you rather, Mr. Pascal Run, is stepping to the stage? He's shackling. He's laughing. He is ready for the question in three, two, and one. Fantastic timing. Thank you, Rick. Incredible. Rick and the band over there. Good job. Keep her up. Brother, would you rather sip gin with Ryan Reynolds or shoot tequila with Dwayne The Rock Johnson? That I think Ryan Reynolds is such an interesting dude. His his like quick wittiness is incredible. I love it. I think 
the rock you said ryan reynolds yes that is honestly that's the tough one i i I gotta pick ryan reynolds there what's your favorite ryan reynolds movie uh uh what do you call it deadpool hands down every day of the week deadpool is such a great movie good soundtrack yes and it's a good soundtrack yes Deadpool has got to be one of my favorite movies. Like one of my favorites, what do you call them? Superhero movies. Yeah. It's just a lot amount of like hilarious and action and romance and it's drama a, and all of it. It's just it, like it's all in there. And it's in a class of its own. It is. For because sure. Deadpool's yeah. not your regular everyday normal guy. No. That's what I love about it. Brother, I love it. But I gotta say, I gotta go with The Rock just because. Oh, really? All right. I love okay. The Rock. The Rock is a pretty good cool yeah, thing. This is a hot take. This might, this might be a YouTube short. But I'll, <laughs> say it. I'll say it here. I'll say it right now. And if you agree, great. If not, no worries. Love to hear it. I think The Rock could be a great president. Is he actually running for president? This could be interesting. I don't. I don't. No, I don't think there's any. I, was that a was that a joke? Of... It was just a media. No. Oh, was it? He was actually. Oh, oh yeah, no it shit. Was on, it was on social media. The rock for president, and he was like laughing about it. Like, of course he's gonna ride the wave. But the old rock laugh. These days, anyone could be president, man. Why the hell not? I don't know, but I don't want to agree with that, but. I, it's I mean, anything you put your mind to anything, you can make it's it just happen. a reality. It's just a reality, man. Anything is possible, brother. But the rock thoughts. I don't know if he's too educated on the politician side and the militaristic side. <laughs> he's gonna need a damn good team of advisors. But there we go. Yes. He'd get the people going at the speeches. Yes, he would. That's for sure. And he's kind of like Harry Schwarzenegger as governor of California. That's exactly. Yeah, gets people going. Very unified. I feel like The Rock is even more uh, unified. Not, uh, not governor of California. Uh, what do you call it? Mayor of Mayor of LA. Who? The Rock? Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, Arnold. Arnold was the governor. The governor, so he was governor. He was governor. Oh, oh, he was governor. Okay, yeah. yeah. How insane is that? Incredible, incredible. I think that's that's like that's one of the highlight stories of the American immigrant story. It really is. He's um, he's an inspiration. He's guy won nine Mister Olympias. Wow, incredible. Love Arnold. God bless Arnold. All right, Pascal. Next, would you rather the night? Would you rather never be able to go out during the day or never be able to go out at night? Hmm. I'm going to pick never be able to go out at night because at night, 
Yes, I enjoy a, a, a nice drink at a cocktail bar every once in a while. I, I love my fancy dinners when I can. Once in a blue, I mean, yeah, same. But at the same time, I mean, at, at night, Netflix and chill. Or do that indoors. Getting work, getting work done, getting good rest, cooking dinner at home. I'm, I mean, these things. I don't need to go out for those things. And during the day, I mean, I don't want to give up going hiking, going to the park, getting my jujitsu in. I feel like I wouldn't be the same person if I couldn't go outside. Man, imagine not playing rugby ever again because you can never go out during the day. I'd go insane. I mean, I I have to walk out. Basically. Yeah, yeah, what what nocturnal what nocturnal sports exist? Nocturnal, uh, I mean, there's night hiking, which is like <laughs> just a, a real life horror movie. Which I I do do that. <laughs> I do do that a lot, honestly. I take the real life horror movie yeah, on the right. stuff. There we go. But no, I'm going definitely uh, okay. day, daylight as well. You too. You also go daylight. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that would be just weird to be a night insaniac. Man, yeah. going to a French bakery in the morning and getting a croissant and a coffee is one of the greatest things. And if you haven't done it, I, I challenge you to have that experience. Just walking into a French bakery in the morning and smelling all the fresh bread is... Well, for me, it's like... What about a Vietnamese uh, bakery? Vietnamese bakery? I don't think I've ever been to a Vietnamese bakery. If I've been to a Korean bakery, those, those places are pretty awesome, too. Brother, you should come to uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Yeah. We have a lot of phenomenal donut shops that are under the radar that are pretty damn good. Not gonna lie. There you go. Okay. And they're not, they love me. I'd be happy to try it. They I'm getting this coffee. Yeah. Good. It's good. Yeah, it's really good. Love to see it, brother. Brother, scooting and booting right along. And I think it's fair to say that last question, best question, brother. All right. You, let's see it. Are you ready, good sir? Ready as I'll ever be. Brother Pascal, would you rather have universal respect or unlimited power? Oh, boy. <laughs> what's, what's the point in power without respect? You're just a, like a huge tyrant. It doesn't necessarily say... You won't. It says universal respect or unlimited power. I think universal respect. Universe. I mean, for me, universal respect would be my vote. It would be my vote as well because I. I think. I mean, it, power without looking at every other thing that leads to like good power rather than tyrannical power. There's so many other other like puzzle pieces right 
power without the rest of those puzzle pieces means nothing. Respect. Respect is what's at. Immensely more powerful than power. Right. And you know what? To get the respect universally of, of people I know is, is a hypothetical, but it takes a lot to get someone's respect. It does, brother. And one thing I've really been trying to dial in on and focus on is like to keep the focus on seeking respect from others. Not not mm -hmm. a, not attention, not necessarily money, but seek respect first and the rest will fall in line. I think so. Brother, I respect you. I respect you too, Pete. I love to see it. Brother, and I respect this phenomenal night we had. It has been one for the ages, one for the books, one for Culver history. And we, um, we hit it big, Brother Pascal. And next time we're together, we shall do a good old episode in studio. Yes. Whether we're in Silicon Valley or whether we're deep in the heart of Texas. Hell yeah. There we go, brother. Brother, I'll pencil you in. <laughs> brother Pascal, Pascal, where can all the fine folks out there listening find you at? Where can we... Show some love to everything is Pascal Abra, all of my social media. So whether that be Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, what have you. YouTube. YouTube, yep. Pascal Abra. Make sure to subscribe to Pascal on YouTube. Make sure to follow Pascal on Instagram. Make sure to show him some love across the board because he is an exceptional man, and he has a knack and a gift for sharing a lot of the wisdom and lessons and experiences that he's had throughout his life with others. And um, it's always a special thing to have someone like that in your life. So make sure to show Pascal some love. You won't regret it, ladies and gents. Um Thanks a lot, Pete. Brother, thank you so much. I can't I can't say um, how much fun I've had and how happy I am to just catch catch on up. It's like we picked on up right where we left off. Right where we left off, yeah. Didn't skip a beat. And um, I'm so happy that uh, we got to have a great episode. And I'm so happy that we're going to be keeping in touch and greatness lies ahead, brother. There's no doubt about that. Yes, it does. And I can see it for you as well. And thank you so much for having me on your show. Pascal, it's been an honor, brother. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed tonight's episode, please make sure to give it a good old share. Share it with your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your best friend. 
your second best friend, and anyone who needs some good vibes in their life. Because we on the Hand Planet podcast are sending the good vibes to all-time highs. And it has been an absolute blast to have the one and only Mr. Pascal Braun, a prestigious Culver Academy's alumni, a beast of a regimental commander, <laughs> and the first Haitian to ever graduate from West Point. We are in the presence of greatness. And if you're listening right now, greatness is within you. I just want to let you know that. So with that being said, ladies and gents, remember, you can never overdose on the good vibes. Salute. And until next time. I believe that's the cut. So I mean, we...